0: Good evening. Today is August the 3rd of 2022. We thank the Lord for another opportunity to be able to indulge in the word of the Lord. We're going to go straight into his word in the book of Titus. We're going to return there. And we're going to be reading starting in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Titus chapter 3. Verses 1 through 4, we pray that everyone is doing well this evening. God is certainly a good God. We appreciate him for his appearing grace in our lives, allowing us the opportunity to receive salvation, to know that we have an advocate with the Father. It's, 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 a, good, it's, it's a good thing to know. We are blessed of the Almighty that we do not abuse grace. We do not just go out and just sin just to be sinning, just to say, you know, I got the grace of God or God going to forgive me. But we actually make an effort to obey the word of God and want to please our Heavenly Father, by the lifestyle that we choose to live for Him. Now, let's just look into the Word of the Lord. Look at First chapter 3, reading verses 1 through 4. I will be reading from the New American, and this is what it says. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, To be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. To malign no one, to be peaceable. Gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish foolish. Ourselves, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our lifetime in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. In verse 4, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind Appeared, He saved us not on the basis of deeds Which we have done in righteousness But according to his mercy By the washing of regeneration And renewing by the Holy Spirit Glory be to God We thank him for his truth and That was verses 3 through 5 3 through 5 Look at what we have here in verse 1. We already know that this is Paul writing and talking to Titus, whom he has given instruction to equip the people there in Crete. He basically had to really rebuild and reset a foundation that was totally messed up. So Titus, we know he had his work cut out for him, but he had assistance from Paul. Titus had assistance from Paul to help him lead and guide him and to be able to bring about change and be the change of Crete to also motivate and instruct, train And to build others as well to grow and mature in Christ. Not just playing church, not making up stuff, but actually to grow in Christ. So look what we have in verse number one. So we see in verse number one, we're going to read that again saying, Remember them to be, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, To be obedient, to be ready for every good work. So we have here Paul and what he expects for the believers of the men and women of God, what he expects from them. And what he expects from them is an obedience. To one that is ruling over them. Or somebody that's in leadership. Somebody that's in authority. Somebody that's in authority. So he tells them to. Be submissive in obedience. Uh, No excuses but to submit. To authority. To respect them. To. To. Be full of compliance with their laws and with their directives. He can He's talking basically uh, from the standpoint that can represent offices of government and the people who accompany them. So this is what Paul is telling Titus. And if we think about this, and if, just look at it, and if you think about it, He's telling Titus to let the people know, let the aged men know, let the aged women, let the young men, the young women, let them know this. I need you to remind them. This is not something that they don't know. They already know. But remind them to be subject, to be submissive, to leadership, to authority, if we know we got laws in the land, we supposed to be submissive. We supposed to obey the laws of the land. If you have leadership, you supposed to be submissive to those that are in authority. Even if we're on our jobs, those that are in authority over us—they may be uh, your manager, may be your supervisor. May be your uh, district manager, your general manager, whoever that may be. It could be a school teacher. It could, could be the police officer. But it's saying here to submit to those that are in rulership over you, to those in authority. Not just to submit, but to obey. Not do what you think is right, but do what they say for you to do concerning your job, concerning the church. He says, and obedience, in other words, and being submissive, he said, also be ready for every good work. Every good work. We know that this is something very difficult. For some of you and me to follow. We have such a hard time following leadership. We have such a hard time following uh, those that are over us, even on our jobs. Why? Because we see it in our own way. We have our own ideals of the way things should be run, what it should be done. And we question uh, sometimes the, the, the role of, a, of our leaders. I want you to know that they're in position for a reason. And I just want to give you something to think about. Leaders and those who are called, they are leaders for a reason. They have been put in position by their bosses or even God puts people in leadership roles. And it's not for it's not for us, or it's not for you, to question, in a sense, that leadership's role or their style of leadership. If they're not going against the Word of God, or if they're not a living quote up to the standards of the Word of God, then. And they're not telling you to. And I'm talking about in a spiritual sense. They're not telling you to do something that goes against the scriptures. Because anytime someone has us or wants us to go against God's will. It's not good. And the scriptures is clear. It's best to obey God rather than man. So it's very important that we know. What does the word of the Lord say? huh? I want you to know that, especially for those who are leaders themselves, you may be a leader, but you may not be the leader. For example, again, on your job, you may know more than that leader or that supervisor, that manager. You you may have more knowledge, more information. That leader has been delegated authority over that plant, over that workplace, and and they have been given authority to basically run that business or that place of authority the way they see fit. Those in leadership role over them has positioned them in position, and they have a job to do. Now, if they fail to do their job, their boss is not going to come to you because the failure of that manager or that leader over you, that leader over them going to come to them direct and want to know they're going to question them. Why is this area is lacking production? Why don't we see increase here? Why isn't training done? See, they're not going to come to you. They're going to come to that leader. And just like in the spiritual sense, when God places a leader in position, and a lot of things I know, we may not understand why is this leader doing this or doing that? Why is he saying this or why is he saying that? And some of us may really question whether or not that leader should even be in position. We do it on our jobs. I have said it. I have said it. Nothing's getting done. They are like they don't care. Like I have said it. Oh, oh I've said a numerous amount of things. But when the roles are reversed, And that weight of responsibility is put on you. I want you to know that you will be judged by the same measures that you have judged others. So if you're not in position, and if you're not in that leadership role, whether it be in the church, whether whether it be on your job, whether it be in the home, because a lot of children don't even want to listen to leadership. They don't want to obey their parents. They're the head of their household. They want to question uh, the authority of their parents. You wait till you get in the hot seat of a parent. Because the weight of responsibility is real. And every single thing you gave uh, headache and heartache to your parents, you're going to get it back. Your children are going to be sure to give it back to you. The heartache that we give to those in the church, or those leaders in the church, if we wasn't submissive and obedient to leadership, oh, when we get in those leadership roles, the weight of responsibility falls on us and we will be judged by those same measures. So don't be surprised when you have been uh, exalted or when you have been, Uh, Raised up in your job as a leader. I want you to know that too much is given. Much is required of you and me. Much is required. And if we can learn to be submissive, even in our marriage, yes, uh, the word of God has set up. Away, even the way the family house supposed to look. It does. It's out as it's set up to where God is the head of the household. Then under the the household is the male. The male is the head of the household. And then it falls in line, the wife. And then the children. We got to follow and be submissive to those whom God has placed in position. Submissive, full compliance, full respect, and this can be very, very difficult. It can be a major struggle. Obedience can be a major struggle for some of us. Oh, especially when those in leadership roles are not doing their job. Are they're lacking. They're procrastinators. What can we do for leaders whom we are under, whether it be in the church, whether it be on our job, whether it be in the schools, whether it even be parenting in our household. What can we do as individuals? The number one thing we can do is pray for leadership. Pray for your parents. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your uh, teachers, your instructors. Pray Pray for your spouse. Pray for your husband. That's what you can do. Instead of being a person that wants to buck or want to come against or want to constantly question or say what you're not going to do. Respect the role of that leader. And respect the God that has put that leader in position. Pray for them. That God will open their understanding. That God will lead. Pray for them. Paul called, even in and we're we gonna look at we're gonna look at the way. Uh, Swindoll has in his commentary about the perspective that Paul comes from. Swindoll reminds us that when Paul wrote this letter, Nero commanded most of the known world thoroughly pagan. Hold on, let me let let me back up. Paul wanted. Us to know, and here's what Swindoll puts in the perspective of where Paul comes from. When we, when, when we think we can't imagine having somebody in leadership roles that don't deserve it. He reminds us of Paul. When Paul wrote this letter, Nero commended most of the known world thoroughly pagan, Morally bankrupt, cruel, oppressive, murderous, unjust, sexually immoral, immoral, and he—he he was corrupt. Nero was corrupt to the core. No one embodied the very spirit of Antichrist more than Nero. Yet Paul called for obedience. And urge believers to be prepared to do what? Good works. No matter about all the wrong that Nero was doing. No matter about all the corrupt things that he had. And that he was doing even to the people. Paul urged them to be obedient. When the word of God tells us to obey. It's not giving us an option. This is an area where. You have to. You must submit. He said, be prepared for good works. This attitude con- contrasted sharply with traditional Jewish society, which urged strict separation from local culture before the exile of Israelites failed to maintain separation from their idolatrous neighbors in the promised land so that the Lord chastened them by allowing Babylon to carry them far from home. While in captivity, the Hebrews learned how to maintain their identity as God's covenant people even as they shared living space with the captured cultures. But by the time of their return to the land, this crucial ethic of separateness had become an obsession. So in the first century, Jews living outside of Israel formed tight-knit communities, reluctantly submitting to local laws and authorities, and treating local culture with thinly veiled disdain rather than elevate God in the minds of pagan cultures and instead of winning respect and admiration as his covenant people Jews provoked hatred now believers at the time considered a sect of Judaism risked their perpetuating the same counterproductive tension Paul was concerned about this for a good reason according to Roman historian Titicus Nero persecuted Christians a few years later not so much for imputed crime of burning Rome as for the hate and enmity to humankind the Apostle Naturally wanted to protect believers from persecution. But he also recognized that a church cannot effectively evangelize a community while treating non-believers with contempt. While treating non-believers with contempt. Paul says, remember them. To be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. No matter who they are, religious or non-religious, saved or unsaved, if they're over you in authority, respect and obey leadership. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. To malign no one to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Look at this submission to authorities. Even showing support for what they do. Showing support. For their efforts. Paul urged kindness. To neighbors. And he does this in four specific ways. That word malign. Malign. Which means to blaspheme. Look at that word. Look at that word in verse 2. To malign no one. To blaspheme nobody. Don't curse nobody. Don't slander no one. Or don't treat anyone with contempt. And when you blaspheme someone, you are disrespecting them. No matter who they are, homeless or not, do not blaspheme or curse anybody all humanity, no matter who they are, no matter what they believe, no matter what they're doing, all humanity deserves respect. From who? From the men and women of God that's supposed to have what? The love of God. Don't disrespect anybody. Not in your speech. Your, I, I know the tongue is something that can be that they can't be uh contained it's a it's, it's a dead it's it's evil but through the power of the holy spirit and by consistent living and consistent word the spirit of the lord can help us to live the way we should live talk the way we should talk treat people the right way everybody deserves respect Just how Christ died for you and me. God sent his son. So he could die for once and for all, for all humanity. We did not deserve it. Christ just appeared for you and me. It appeared. Thank you, Jesus, for your appearing grace. Be peaceable. Don't be a fighter. Hush that fuss. Somebody that is peaceable, they don't try to get their words out. And they don't. Now, now we all know somebody that is just, they just want to argue. They, they don't want to hear a solution. No, they just want to argue. That's all they want to do. Listen, somebody that is peaceful, they're not going to go through that with anybody. You know what they're going to do? They're going to walk away. They're going to let it go. They're not going to go through that. They're going to choose not to fight, not to argue. Instead of being so... Such a fighter or a, uh, quarrelsome, we're supposed to be gentle. And it has nothing to do with your not getting that coffee that morning, or it has nothing to do with you waking up on the wrong side of the bed. It just doesn't. If you look at this moving picture show, sometimes we, we wake up in a, in a place in our minds where, where our spirits is out of line. With the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, well, we have a we 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 probably haven't gotten enough rest the night before. We probably overworked ourselves. We probably be going through some things that that we we normally go through a certain amount of time of the year because we have experienced pain. So so we may not be out our normally bubbly, joyous self. And we, and we choose to hold on to that feeling, that not-so-good feeling. We choose to not want, nobody, don't, don't even look at me, don't come over here. I wish they don't come over here and talk to me. That's how, that's how we act sometimes. And sometimes we may be sick, not feeling well. So instead of staying home, we'll go to work because we don't want to lose the money. But we have this negative attitude. And I want you to look at this moving picture show. Imagine anytime you have all this negative vibe. I call it the negative vibe. Picture yourself inside the box. Picturing yourself inside the box is a box full of negativity. And if you know you're inside that box, I want you to know that every single body you come in contact with, that negative energy is going to project onto them, your children, your co-workers, your teammates, your spouse, your brothers, your sisters, in Christ, that negativity is going to pounce off on this one or that one. And for you know it, it's it's just a negative spirit, a spirit of conflict in the atmosphere. So when you mentally know upon arrival, when you woke up, you knew you wasn't feeling well. You should deal with your feelings and emotion and allow the Holy Spirit to check that. So that you won't carry that, you know you're in pain so 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 you you're quick you you have no patience with the customers, you have no patience with your children. you're quick to snap on them. He said we should be gentle, gentle. He's not saying that we should be doormats to people that just want to disrespect us either. He's not saying that. But we always want to keep in mind the love of Christ. How is it showing through you and me? Because somebody's always watching. Aristotle used the word, this word, dignity and reasonableness. Aristotle used the word to denote indulgent consideration of human infirmities. Gentleness honors the spirit of the law rather than rigidly holding everyone to the letter of it. A king was said to be gentle when he used his power to appropriate measures to preserve the common good for his subjects. Some fellow citizens, and I'm reading from the New Amer- from, from the Swindoll commentary, some fellow citizens of the tangible world don't want to be at peace. You need to know that too. Every neighborhood, like every school, has at least one bully, A person who cannot live without making someone nearby miserable. Because they're miserable. They're inside the box. To be peaceable and gentle does not mean we have to lie down when pushed. One can stand up to a bully without a fist fight or responding unreasonably. We can stand up. But we can do it with love and with respect. Just like Paul said, showing every consideration for all men. I don't care what nationality you are. I don't care what gender you are. We should show respect. And this is an area where the church has erred greatly. People don't even feel comfortable coming to church. Because they feel judged and they don't feel accepted. And when we show consideration to all men, we are actually showing the spirit of grace. We're not just receiving grace, but we're also giving it. As a quality of refined leadership, a mark of strength, Paul drew upon this secular idea, adding to it the necessary ingredient, which is love. Gentleness, love. Our general demeanor toward others should be humble, courtesy, demonstrated by kind responses. Furthermore, Christians must offer, Christians or believers must offer this dignity to everybody, not just your family, not just your inner circle, not just your friends, but to all men. The Hispanic shouldn't just show it to Hispanic, to all men. African American shouldn't just show it to their brothers and sisters, to all men. All people everywhere, regardless of race, regardless of skin color, regardless of religion or lack of such, regardless of political leanings, regardless of economic status, status and salary or occupation or education. Our marital status, all people everywhere deserves to be respected. All people. Look at verse three. For we also, once we're foolish ourselves, Paul said Titus, listen, don't forget where you come from. Let them know, remind them that they were also foolish. We were foolish ourselves. We were disobedient. See that past tense? We're not who we used to be. We don't act the way we used to act. We used to be disobedient. and We understand that we have to obey leadership. You're going to have to obey somebody. We even used to be deceived, he says. Enslaved to various lust and pleasures. Lust and pleasures. Whatever this flesh wanted, we used to give it to it. Now we we have the power of the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us into all truth. It gives us the power, the dunamis power to fight. Lust, even so that we won't enter into lust. We used to be enslaved, he said. to various lust and pleasure, spending our life in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. That's who we used to be. That's what we used to look like. Hatred spilling from us. Not love, but hatred. Not showing kindness, but we're rude. We're quick-tempered. Don't want nobody to look at us. Don't know nobody to say nothing to us. Come on now. That is not what Christ looks like. Oh, we got some growing up to do. Look at verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for us For mankind appeared, verse 5, he saved us, not on the basis of our deeds, which we have done, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you Jesus. He said, Paul, let us know. This is what you and I used to look like. This is what we used to look like. We're quite the opposite now. We as believers are quite we extend grace. We extend grace to our neighbors, to our friends. Why? Because we used to be foolish. Instead of sensible, we used to be foolish. We used to be disobedient. Instead of obeying the laws. Now we now we look to obey them. What what does the law say? What does the word say? We didn't used to be like that. Don't forget. We were downright hateful, rude, and disrespectful. We did not care. You look at you look at uh, the people you work with, and and some of the people you run into. They are so disrespectful to their parents, to leadership, to management. Oh, it's horrible. We used to we used to be like that. We used to hate. We used to hate. The Spirit of the Lord changed all of that. God's grace and His mercy appeared and it changed that for us. The grace of God has appeared. That's what the Word of God says. It says it. The grace of God has appeared. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, not by what you did, not by what I did, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appear, It's not the love that we got, because our love is shifty. Our love is contingent to what you're going to do for me. If you ain't going to do it, I'm not down with you. If you don't see it my way, then I'm not down. No, we're talking about the love of God. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by his regeneration, and, and renewing by the Holy Spirit. It's nothing that you and I have done. His love appeared. His kindness appeared. God came looking Well, you and me, we didn't look for him. He looked for us. We just responded to the call. We answered the call. Men and women of God, kings and queens, please continue to answer the call. No matter how life changes, no matter how this world changes, we must continue to answer the call. Even when that spirit of rebellion comes upon us. Allow the spirit of the Holy Ghost to push through. Push us through that season. Even when this flesh and these lustful desires want to play a part in our life. Allow the spirit of the Holy Ghost to push you through that season of lust. Because it's coming back again. It's coming back again. Verse 5 just shows us a detailed description of God's kindness. Shows us his love. If we think we got any credit of what we done, all you got to do is look at verse 5. That's it. No credit. We can take no credit for what God did. It's Christ that changed us. It's Christ that motivated us. Kindness, his love. It was God that saved us. Not because we were good, but because he's good. He is good. It is because of his mercy and not of our righteousness. He saved us first by the washing of regeneration and renewing. He renewed our mind. He rejuvenated us. That that regeneration. And this refers to the resurrected, perfected life that believers can expect in the age to come. We are constantly growing. We are constantly changing. Don't get wild out and weird when you see people changing. It's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. Thank you, Jesus. We're looking for Christ to return. To reclaim us from the clutches of evil. It's going to be Christ, not our goodness. It's going to be Christ who will purge all mankind, all creation of sin. He will transform us completely. Well, this mortal will put on immortality. Whatever's left in us, we will be completely transformed. This, We will be trans- transformed. This new, this, this what we may think is new. We're we going to have new bodies, saints, and men and women of God. We will be recreated. Paul draws upon the imagery to declare that the progress or the process of recreation has begun already in our lives. It's begun already, starts on the inside. So regeneration in this life before the age to come begins with God granting us as believers a new nature, a new birth. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of the water and of the Spirit, except you be born of the water and of the Spirit, men and women of God, Please remember today that this flesh has the tendency to want to take control to where we won't be productive in our spiritual walk. But we have been given this gift easy. Seek, ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. His grace appeared to you and to me. And if you are like me today, and you receive this grace, his mercy, and you requested for this gift, this the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you, thank you, Jesus. It's a gift to you, and it's a gift to me. This gives us the power to live right. No more excuses, men and women of God. No more excuses. But let's walk in newness. We're constantly changing. Remember that. We're constantly changing. The complete transformation has not taken place yet. But we're constantly changing. So we got to allow our mindsets to change. We got to allow our our wills, our strong wills to change. We got to submit to authority. We got to come out of that fighting spirit or that, that so easy, so, so easily agitated. We got to let God that. Let the spirit of the Lord lead and guide you, okay? You have a blessed night, men and women of God.